A number of years ago, I won't say how many, I was at university and studying and I had a bursary and a loan and couldn't really afford accommodation. Um, my parents couldn't. Um, and so um, I looked around and I found a job as a, a boarding master working at a local boarding school. And so I had a room in the boarding school and for my board and lodging, I had to um, be there in the evenings to supervise over the boys in the hostel and I had to um, coach sport. I wasn't very sporty, and um, I, I was terrible at most sports, cricket, rugby. And the first thing they gave me was the under-13D cricket team, which was the, the lowest cricket team in the school, and so they rightly put it with me. But I remember turning up that first week to practice and thinking, what on earth am I doing? I went back to the, to the hostel and there were other boardermasters and I started to ask them, how do I coach a team of cricket players? They gave me some tips. But that first Saturday, there was the first match and my guys were playing. And we went onto the field and I was meant to be umpiring um, and the other school was playing and uh, they came on to, to bat and our team were fielding and... The first ball was bowled, and all of my guys who were fielding shouted, How's that? Which I remembered meant he's out. And they all put their hand up. And so I put my hand up and said, He's out. At which point they all turned to me and said, No, sir, he's not out. I said, But you said so. He said, No, 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 we just, you know, that's how we talk. <laughs> anyway, it was pandemonium and chaos. And um, it, was, it was the week after that that I started to go and um, find tips on how to umpire, how to coach. Um, and when the rules were applied, believe it or not, I think the boys had a whole lot more fun and, and enjoyed their cricket a whole lot more. When I didn't know the rules and wasn't applying them to the game, it was chaos. Often when we look at the Ten Commandments, we think, oh no, here are the rules that God gives us because he wants to control us and take away all our fun. But to the contrary, God has set a delightful creation in which for us to live and thrive. And he's set some parameters, the rules of the game, if you like. If you follow these, you will thrive. You will enjoy the game. You will live well. And so the Ten Commandments are those ten foundational rules for living. And um, we're particularly looking at this one about Sabbath, about um, the Lord's Day and keeping it holy it doesn't seem to matter how much we get, we are, are always left wanting more. There's something inside each one of us that is craving more. We call it desire, the desire within us. It's the way that our spiritual journey begins because there's a desire within us for something of God. And we want to know Him and we want to know Him more. And that's part of the spiritual uh, journey. Desire drives us to get out of bed in the morning and to get up and live our day and live our lives. But desire goes both ways because it pushes us to want more of what is good for us, but it also drives us towards things that can be destructive for us and, and excess. The Bible calls this constant desire within us a restlessness. There's this restlessness within us. We're not satisfied. We want more. Advertising campaigns and media just manipulate that 
desire within us, that restlessness, to try to convince us that we need more money, that we rightfully should have more clothes, more possessions, more experiences. It's never enough because you're worth it. And restfulness is always just out of reach because we're so restless. So restfulness just seems just that step away and we can't quite get there. So how do we escape this constant desire for more, this inner restlessness that thinks it will be satisfied if only I get this thing or that? And the answer, of course, is Sabbath. The antidote to restlessness um, and constant desire within us is Sabbath rest. Sabbath is one of the practices from Jesus' life that enables us to go to war against restlessness and instead to find rest for our souls. We looked last week at the definition of Sabbath, to stop, to cease, to rest. But it's more, it's also about delight. It's also about worship. These are found within the context of what it means to Sabbath and what Jesus meant to Sabbath. And so we looked at the first one, stop, last week. To stop, to stop from this non-stop, busy, hurried life. And today I want us to look and talk about rest. And so um, the first question is what are we resting from? What are we resting from? In Mark's gospel, the the passage that Corinne just read to us, we read how just before Jesus fed the 5,000 and after he'd done a great many other things, it said that he needed to rest. He needed to stop. So he went apart with his disciples to find rest. And we see that even God needed rest and built it into the cycle of creation. Can we have the second slide, please? Uh, Jess, the Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing, the work of creation. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. He said the seventh day in this cycle is holy because on that day, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Often when we think of rest, we think of sleep or relaxing because we're tired and we just want a nap or we just want to find some recoup for our bodies or maybe just to to lie in front of the TV, TV and watch that series. But Jesus talks about something much deeper in rest when he talks about rest for your souls. We looked at that Matthew passage last week where he says, come to me if you're weary. I'm going to give you rest for your soul. Not just sleep to help your body recoup. I have something that pops up on my phone app and is linked to my watch somehow that tells me how my body battery is doing. Have you seen that? You fitness guys must see a bit of this. You, um, it, it somehow measures you've had so much sleep and so much stress. I don't know how it measures the stress in my arm. but uh, And so this is how full your body battery is. I was so pleased the other morning I woke up and I had 95% of my body battery. I thought, but what about the other 5%? <laughs> my sleep hadn't been quite enough, apparently. But um, what does it look like to rest? 
What is um, the Sabbath about? The first thing is we rest from work. That seems obvious, um, but it's not just paid work. It's not just our job, but it's all work. The idea of God's Sabbath is to rest from things that are work and busyness. Now, this seems a bit of an inconvenience when we think, well, I'll take a Sabbath, but that's my day when I'm going to do all the chores. Or that's the day when I'm going to do all this admin that I didn't get done on the other days. But I really believe that rest from work means rest, including from chores and errands and to-do lists. We rest from busyness and working and going, going, going constantly. But we also rest from thinking about work. We rest from thinking about work. Neuroscience has told us that when we think about work, there's a um, chemical released in our brain, secreted, that um, is a sort of stress chemical. And the same chemical is released whether we're actually working or we're just thinking about work. So you can be at home sitting on the sofa and you start thinking about your work. You're trying to have a good rest, but you think about it. Or maybe you wake up at night and you're thinking about something. Um, It produces the same stress uh, chemical in your brain as if you were just beavering away to work. So we rest from work, we rest from thinking about work, but we also rest from worry and wanting. Worry and wanting. The constant thoughts of, I must get this, I want this, I have to do this, I don't want that. And instead, we come to a place of rest. Much easier said than done, isn't it? Because Sabbath seems to be more um, about our state of, of mind and heart and soul than about what activities our physical body is doing. So why do we rest? Why do we rest? Well, the Ten Commandments are recorded twice in the Old Testament. They're in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. We just read from, from it now. And in uh, Exodus chapter 20, the Israelites have just left Egypt. And uh, on, at, the, at the edge of Mount Sinai, they've crossed the Red Sea, they've escaped the clutch of the Egyptians. Um, and at Mount Sinai, they received the Ten Commandments. And then we read again on the banks of the Jordan River. That's the passage that Corin read to us now from Deuteronomy 5. The Ten Commandments, as they're about to cross into the Promised Land, they receive the Ten Commandments again. And there are a few basic differences. Um, and two differences about the Sabbath command that I want to point out to you. Can we just have that passage up uh, from Deuteronomy 5, please, Jess? I think it's the next slide. I'm just going to read it one more time. Um, oh, there we go. Thanks. Um, observe the Sabbath day. This is um, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or male or female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. 
Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to obey and observe the Sabbath day. And um, if you can just go back to the third slide, please, Jess, if you've got it there. Um, yeah, there it is. Thank you. Um, in Exodus, the word is remember the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy, it's observe the Sabbath. Um, observe um, is the Hebrew word shema. Shema the Sabbath means to keep watch over it, to guard it. It's different to um, remember. Let's remember that day. We remember the day that um, lives, there's a day when we remember that lives were lost in the war there, or the wars of the world. There are, there's a day when we remember our heritage. Um, but here he says, observe Shema, keep watch over it and guard it. And I guess it's a bit like um, we, especially in the church, but many of the, the world outside the church as well, observe Christmas and Easter. We guard over them. We don't just remember the birth of Jesus um, or at Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. We guard that day. We keep it sp- special and separate. Most of us have family traditions of things that we do on those days that make it special. Special food, special services, special times to come together. Um, and, and so there's a guarding of that day. And you won't find us easily letting go of Christmas. If the president said to us, sorry, Christians, no more Christmas. I'm not going to remember. It's going to be a work day. I think we'd have something to say about that. We'd probably rise up in arms because there's not, not much that you can do to stop us celebrating the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. This is the command of Sabbath. To not allow it to become just another ordinary day, but to have a day in your seven-day cycle your week, um, that is special. In the Kiddush, which was the ancient Jewish liturgy, each day you lit a candle at the beginning of the day and there was some liturgy that you recited, some words that you recited and some scripture. But on the Sabbath, you lit two candles. If you were a really Orthodox Jew, you would, every Sabbath you would write, light two candles in the morning and you would recite from the Kiddush. This is to symbolize the two commands. Apparently this, this represents that we received the, the, the law of the Sabbath um, when we were freed from slavery as well as we entered the promised land. So in Deuteronomy, it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Whereas in Exodus... It says, for in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day, therefore he blessed it and made it holy. Same command, but different motivation for keeping the command. In Exodus, it says, I want you to um, remember the Sabbath because of the story of creation and what God did by keeping the seventh day holy and making it holy. In Deuteronomy, it's based on the story of liberation from slavery. And so the motivation is remember that you were slaves, but now you are free. The Sabbath is a reminder that you are the free and freed people of God. At Sinai, Sabbath was about creating a rhythm for your life that was important. At the Jordan, the Sabbath became 
a way of resisting the rest of the world. They were entering, entering into a land which had other nations who had practices that drove towards um, other kingdoms, that drove people towards, you must be like this, you have to do more of this, it's not enough. And these were people of Sabbath who remembered and rested. In the Exodus story, there's a lot of language about restlessness. Pharaoh says things like, make the work harder so that they keep working. And Pharaoh says, the Israelites are lazy. They must get to work. When Moses says, let my people go, he says, no. In fact, you'll be given more straw. Sorry, you won't be given straw. You'll be given less straw. So you have to make your own bricks and go and find your own straw. He made it harder for them. You see, Pharaoh was a cruel tyrant. And no matter how hard the Hebrews worked, it would never be enough. They lived under an oppressive yoke of slavery. And Pharaoh's lavish lifestyle and his uh, entire economic system was built on the back of slavery. Slaves don't get to rest. They don't take a Sabbath. Slaves are subhuman. They're a commodity to buy and to sell. They only have value by what they produce. They work all day, every day, until they die. So this command says, remember, you're not slaves anymore. You're in a new kingdom under a new king. There's no daily quota and no taskmaster over your head saying, come on, you need to try harder. It's not good enough. You need more. And this is a command that says, remember to never become a slave driver yourself. Observe the Sabbath, and it says um, you're to give your male servants and your female servants the same rest that you get, because the Sabbath is for everyone. You're all equal under the Sabbath. All must rest. And I strongly believe that we need this practice in our lives more than ever before. Pharaoh might be dead and Egypt might be long in the past. But they're symbols of things that are still alive today. Egypt is symbolic of all the human empires down through the ages. You may have heard of the global wealth pyramid where 70% of the world's wealth is held by something like 3% of... um, No, it's the other way around. 70% of humanity controls 3% of the world's wealth. And the top point. 6% of the world's population control 40% of the world's wealth. It's a pyramid that describes the inequality. And the point is that Egypt is terrible if you're a slave, but it's not half bad if you're an Egyptian. And so it maintains the system that's fine for the slave master, but diabolical for the slave. And we sometimes think of Um, Slavery is a horror from the past, but today there are more than 40 million estimated slaves in the world of one form or another, and most of them are women and children. So whether it's the restlessness um, and the desire for more um, from Egypt or anywhere in history, but especially today, there is still this culture of relentless desire for more. It's not enough. We need more. 
And the truth is that, that people work harder than ever before. In the 60s, there was the rise of the labor-saving devices. So it was thought that things like the washing machine and um, the telephone and the computer would save time and that in time, uh, we would probably work on average 20 to 30 hour days. But the reality is that with time-saving devices, we're working harder and longer hours than we ever worked before. We work more, but we also have more than we ever had before. It's got more complex, more complicated. Our lives have got more cluttered. Brenda and I spent the day yesterday clearing through our daughter's bedroom. Um, she's gone traveling to Austria, you may know, and um, we want to use her room for guests, but um, she is our hoarder, and her room is full of, of things. And so there have been boxes that we've packed up and bin bags that we've filled with things that we're pretty sure it's time to, to get rid of. We did have a few um, WhatsApps with her to say, is it okay to get rid of this? And normally the answer was, no, I need that. <laughs> and um, I said to Nikki, her younger sister, make sure she doesn't go before you because it's going to be a big job cleaning up her house. And the thing is that we want more clothes, more TVs, more gadgets, more things. Meanwhile, many people around us, hiding in plain sight, maybe even with us right now, are barely able to put food on the table. And even if we have more, we're unhappier than we ever have been before. It's Egypt all over again. It's so easy to get sucked into a culture that says you have to have more. You have to earn more. You have to reach a standard of living to be happy. And it's so easy to say, well, that's just how it is. And so we accept it. But the good news is it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Rest is an act of resistance. And we might not all be toy-toying, but Sabbath is a way that we can spiritually toy-toy and resist the empire of the enemy that wants us to, to keep going and keep going and be slave to the culture around us. It's an act of defiance against Pharaoh and his empire, and it's a way of saying to your body, enough, it's time to stop. Enough work. Work is a good thing, but it's not the only thing. Enough stuff. Stuff isn't bad in itself, but many of us have more than enough stuff. Sabbath is a way to break our addiction to the twin gods of the West of accomplishment and accumulation. Got to do greater things, got to accumulate more things. And later on in the Old Testament, there are Sabbath commands against buying or selling on the Sabbath. You could decide as a family or a home, on the Sabbath I won't shop. I won't do anything that makes me want more. Instead of talking about what we want more of, we could practice gratitude more and be thankful for what we do have. Um, it's not to make more rules, but it's to say, how do I go against the grain? When I think, well, I, I have to go and get this, and I have to just pop down to the shop and get that. And actually, we could be resting and saying, well, actually... 
I can make another plan. Or I'm prepared for my Sabbath rest day and we have what we need in the house. We share what we have in the house with those who we know don't have it. Sabbath is the chance to say, what God has given me is enough. What I have in my life is enough. It doesn't always feel like that or look like that, especially to the poor. But even to stop in desperate poverty and say, thank you, God, for the clothes on my back. And certainly to say, in the place of wealth, God, thank you. I have more than enough. How can I be... Um, thankful and generous with what I have. It's the chance to say what God has given me is enough. Having more won't make me better. Accomplishing more won't make me better. I don't need the perfect marks on my school tests or I don't need the perfect body. I don't need the approval of others. I don't need the approval of my father or my mother. I know some people, even in the twilight years, are still seeking the approval of mum or dad. But to say, I have the approval of my Father in heaven, and that is enough. Pharaoh and his army are at the bottom of the sea. They have been defeated. The cross of Calvary has broken the power of slavery. And so we can say we are free. We are the free people of God. We have all we need to thrive in God's world I am in a new kingdom now, and I have a new king. His name is Jesus. Jesus is in charge of my world. That says that I don't need to keep on striving. I can stop. I can rest. But as I close, it's worth noticing that, um, maybe just the next slide, please, Jeff, um, that resistance to the culture around us is resisted. We talked about what do we rest from, why do we rest, and rest being resistance. But know that when you resist the culture around you, you will be resisted. Um, both We experience resistance both from outside of us and from inside of us. Um, from outside of us, the Apostle Paul talks about us standing against principal, uh, principalities and powers. This is resistance from the outside. There are forces spiritually and in this world that want us to keep on going and not to stop and rest. By Sabbath, we defy these powers and align ourselves with God of the Sabbath. But there's also resistance from inside. Egypt isn't just around us, it's inside of us. To really Sabbath and to rest means we have to resist the internal desires of what the Bible calls sin, of greed, of envy, of discontentment, of anxiety, of addiction, and more. We all know that constant tug of war within us, that thing that Paul described as the thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing that I don't want to do, I keep on doing that. What a wretched man I am, he says. But it's that tug of war, that resistance from the inside. And we're drawn to the idea of rest for our souls, but we're also not so keen to surrender our self-will to Jesus. And we have to do it again and again every day. I want to suggest that Sabbath is our secret weapon 
It's the Christian's secret weapon, the antidote to the restlessness and the constant desire of our world for more. An entire day to have enough and more than enough. In those push-pull moments when you have to resist both external and internal forces that are anti-Sabbath, just remember this. You are not a slave anymore. You are free. Jesus is your king. He's nothing like Pharaoh. He's a Sabbath-keeping, Sabbath-commanding God. Jesus called himself Lord of the Sabbath, and he's offering you and me rest for our souls. The question is, will we resist the culture out there and from within? And will we rest in him? Let us pray.